Welcome to the Imperfect Leader Podcast. I'm Scott Neal, your host. Today, I have Pastor Craig Stevens from Church of the Redeemer in Camden, North Carolina. It's an Anglican congregation, and it was an honor to have Craig here. Uh, He filled me in a lot on what uh, the Anglican faith is about and churches, and I know you will enjoy the interview. I want to mention about an upcoming guest I have soon, Andy Montero from Montero's Restaurant here in Elizabeth City. Andy is chef and owner of Montero's Restaurant and doing a fantastic job. So I know Andy will bring a lot of wisdom and ideas and thoughts about starting your own business, about leading, hiring, etc. All the things involved in a business and restaurant. Looking forward to the interview coming up soon. Let me encourage you, please go by iTunes and give us a five-star rating. Uh, you can also leave comments. I read every comment. Want to know what you think. If you have questions, suggestions for the podcast, I'd love to know. You can contact me uh, on my page, scottneal.me, or you can find me on Facebook, facebook.com, uh, uh, scottnealonline. You'll be able to find me there. I'd love for you to like my page. Again, you can leave comments, suggestions, questions, etc. So let's get to the interview with Pastor Craig Stevens. Craig, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. It's good to be here. I appreciate yeah, the opportunity. Um, hey, I know you're busy and you've got a lot of other things going on, a lot of other places you could be, but you said yes to come here and be a part of the podcast, and I'm honored to have you here today. Yeah, it's my pleasure, my privilege. Well, thank you. We have a, a lot of people listening who probably are not familiar with you and are not, uh, you know, uh, know about your church or what you do, mm-hmm. and that's the reason I have you here is because I want to introduce you to some, some new people. Uh, it's an honor to have uh, your friendship and get to know you over the years, and hopefully we can do that more often. So I want to introduce you to them, so I'm going to let you do that, okay? okay. So tell us a little bit about yourself, uh, where you serve, tell us a little bit about your family, how long you've been at your church, just kind of a general overview of who you are, and then we'll get into some other things. Okay. Uh, I'm married to Missy, and we have two kids, daughter Madeline, who's 15, just got her driving permit this past week. Oh, yeah. And Jack, who's about to turn 11. And we came to Elizabeth City about eight and a half years ago. Okay. And I came from seminary in Pittsburgh to take the role uh, as pastor and rector of Church of the Redeemer, which is an Anglican church located in Camden, just about five minutes from Elizabeth City. Right. So we've been in Elizabeth City now for about eight and a half years. Okay. And... I've been pastor of Church of the Now, where, where's home to you? I grew up in Oklahoma, Edmond, okay. Oklahoma. Okay. So you went from Oklahoma to Pittsburgh? I Pittsburgh? went from Edmond, Oklahoma to college at the Citadel okay. in Charleston, South yeah. Carolina. Mm-hmm. And my wife was at the College of Charleston. She's from South Carolina. And I graduated in 1991. We got married and stayed in Charleston. I mean, it's just a perfect place yeah, to live. Is. It's beautiful. beautiful. Yeah. We lived downtown Charleston for several years and then moved to a place called James Island. We wow. had we lived there for about 15 years mm-hmm. and had no intent of yeah. ever moving. Right. <laughs> and honestly. So what happened? Well, the only thing that could have led us to move is God's call yeah. to seminary and to ministry. And, uh, you know, by the grace of God, we both responded to that and agreed right. to sell our house right there and wow. leave. And then we went from there to this little city outside Pittsburgh called Ambridge, where Trinity School for Ministry is. Mm -hmm. And Ambridge is about the other, the opposite pole of Charleston. (laughs) It's an old steel mill town. Right. Kind of, you know, what is referred to as the Rust Belt, but, Mm -hmm. you know, nice little community, and that's where we moved. Yeah. Spent about two and a half years there. Okay, and then from there to to From there to Elizabeth City, Camden. That had to be a, a big change. I mean, from the Pittsburgh area here, never been here before. Was that right? No, never been here before. Came here. I graduated in December of 2009 and came here, I think, in the beginning of November. Yeah. You know, they were searching for a rector and pastor. And so we came and visited and we had. How does that work within the Anglican Church? They just have a list of opportunities available and you can choose or tell us a little bit about that. For Anglican priests. Um, you know, nobody tells you where you need to go. Churches okay. have opportunities and then you can search those out just like a normal job mm-hmm. search. So when I was coming out of seminary, you know, I had two children needed to find a place sure. to go. And so we we're searching, wanted to find some place as warm as possible right. after being in Pittsburgh. And 
um, ended up visiting a church in Midland, Texas, and then came here to Elizabeth City. And, and God really confirmed to us. Mm. I mean, it's hard to put it into words, but it was yeah. just like his anointing, his yeah. presence yeah. really assured us that this is where he called us. Yeah. And so then we came here in January of 2010. And yeah. I thought I was moving back to the south, mm-hmm. you know, a little yeah. closer to Charleston. My right. first Sunday, it was the end of January 2010. It was snowed out. Oh, goodness. Yeah. <laughs> I'd left the snow shovel in <laughs> Pittsburgh. I won't need that anymore. And, right. You know, missed the first Sunday because of snow. Mm. So Now, where's home to your wife? She's from Sumter, South Carolina. Okay. And she went to the College of Charleston. Right. And I went to the Citadel and we met on a blind date. Wow. Well, now, why, why did you go into ministry? Like, did, has that been a, a dream you had or a, a feeling of a, a calling you had ever since you were a child? Or did something happen in your life that turned you in this direction? Tell us a, through that process a little bit. Well, I, I grew up going to a Catholic church okay. and, you know, believed, you know, everything I heard about Jesus right. and um, prayed and, and believed in God, believed in Jesus and had no thoughts ever of ministry. You know, my association of ministry was a Catholic priest or maybe a okay. young life leader and didn't really have any ideas of that when I went to college. But then I went to the Citadel, um, got recruited for soccer, and I thought, that's eh, an all-male military college. That'll right. be fun. Yeah. <laughs> and got there and, you know, was really in shock for about the first six months of just the intensity, the trials that it was to be a freshman there. And But... um you know, I've told people before that God tricked me into going to the mm. Citadel because through high school, you know, one prayer that I had consistently was God helped me to get a soccer scholarship. And what I added on to that later is uh, being from Oklahoma, I wanted to go somewhere else. So on the help me to get a soccer scholarship to school on the East or West Coast, that was my prayer. And I would have been more specific had I known if I could go back, I would have said to a school that's not a military school. <laughs> And it does have women. (laughs) So I was in shock. But, you know, I know God led me there because he he placed me in a company. The Citadel has companies and in a company that had a upper class soccer player Mm -hmm. who had a prayer group in his room twice a week. I went to that. He was active in navigators along with another soccer player. So I started going to that and developed a relationship with God. I believed in God. Yeah. And I'd ask Jesus into my life, but I didn't know that you can really have a relationship with God and sit with him and have quiet times each day. So that began at the Citadel. And then I started getting involved in some campus ministries, summer ministries. And so when I was graduating from the Citadel, I had some type of vision, like I want to go into ministry. I want to work with kids or youth or families. Mm -hmm. And it took about 15 years for that to develop and materialize in a call to become a priest in the Anglican church. Wow. That's beautiful. Just to see how God turned that around and you yeah. went to the Citadel, not expecting that you would ever become a priest in the Anglican no, church. No, yeah. absolutely and God not. just completely redirected your life. And fill us in a little bit on the difference. You were raised Catholic and right. now you're in the Anglican church. And I know there's a difference between the two. So help us a little there's bit. Definitely understand, a difference. Right, right. Help us understand the difference in, in the Catholic faith, Anglican faith, the churches? Is it just in the government structure? Is there core beliefs that are different? And then not only the difference, but why did, and maybe the difference is the reason you went into mm-hmm. the Anglican church as opposed to the Catholic church. So just give us an overview of that. Well, I can kind of describe it by how I ended up there. Okay. And yeah, I went to college as a Catholic and then became involved in some different ministries, navigators being mm-hmm. one, that really emphasized a personal relationship with God. And then became involved in a a discipleship group that was led by an African Methodist Episcopalian priest. And I mean, that was just a whole new introduction to the power of God, this fiery faith and preaching. And then my junior year, I became involved in a full gospel businessmen's fellowship international group that met on campus. And that was Pentecostal. So that introduced me to Pentecostal charismatic faith. And Mm -hmm. so when I, was done with college. I had all this blend of new experiences and ended up, uh, my wife and I got married two weeks after graduation and not knowing a thing in the world. And we ended up going to a small Pentecostal church 
diverse, half black, half white, there in Charleston. And we were there for 10 years. And that church eventually joined the Church of God, which is Pentecostal, um, very biblical. It was a great experience and very different from the Catholic Church. And I, I went through the ministerial internship program there to become ordained in the Church of God. But w- once we got out of our church that we had been in, it, it just didn't seem like a good fit. And so we ended up gravitating to an Episcopal church nearby our house, um, which is now an Anglican church, um, which I was really surprised. I went there. We thought, let's just go here until we figure out what we're going to do. And it, it felt like coming home. Um, the priests were wonderful, and it was uh, really, and I still consider the Anglican Church sort of a combination of the Catholic sacramental practices mm-hmm. and some of the Pentecostal charismatic practices okay. where you have spirit-filled worship, ministry, and a dependence on the, the Holy Spirit's power. So um, for me, when we went to that Episcopal Church, it was this perfect balance of my Catholic background and my experience in the Pentecostal tradition. Right. And so that, you know, for me is what the Anglican church is. Um, you've got the sacramental tradition um, where we celebrate the body of Christ and the history, the, the oneness of the body of Christ, right. and then the evangelical emphasis on scripture and the authority of the Bible. And then also the presence of the Holy Spirit and the charismatic ministry that gifts uh, all Christians to do ministry. Now, is that is that true of most Anglican churches? To some extent. Okay. Some may emphasize one of those right. uh, more than the others. I didn't know how others. unique Church of the Redeemer in Camden is to the overall Anglican church. Would you say that you guys are somewhat unique, or do you lean more in the charismatic or more liturgical, or where, where would you kind of fall on that? We're, we're unique in the sense that we're in the corner of a cornfield of okay. Camden. <laughs> okay. Right. But as far as our ministry and our practices, we're in the stream, okay. I think, of global Anglicanism that emphasizes the authority of Scripture. Okay. I mean, in the Anglican communion worldwide, you've got this spectrum mm-hmm. um, where the authority of Scripture is either very esteemed or kind of minimized um, based on some cultural leanings. Right. And we're very much in the mainstream of those who emphasize Scripture as the authority of God and God's Word. Okay. That's very interesting. Now, is that what you would say differentiates between Catholic and Anglican is more of the, the more of the presence and or the at least the practice of the presence and power of the Holy Spirit within the the fellowship within the church services as opposed to the Catholic Church or uh, the emphasis on scripture or all of it together or just all of that together okay. and, and probably like most Protestant churches, you know, we would say that you know what the main difference is this emphasis on the priesthood of all believers Mm -hmm. that all of us are called and gifted to minister. And then the emphasis on the authority of scripture, right. Um, as something that outweighs tradition or teachings. Yeah. And the reason I ask that is because I have so many people, you know, um, when I mention Anglican, Oh, that's Catholic, right. You know, Mm -hmm. or Episcopalian. Sometimes it's the same, you know, same kind of thought in all of that. So, but there is some very distinctives in in those in those churches and faiths that I think are important to, to call out. I right? agree. Yes. Right. Okay. <laughs> right. Now, how many how many Anglican churches are there? Not, not exactly, but mm-hmm. is it is it growing? Is that something that you see more and more younger people moving into? Because I see somewhat of a return. And some of the younger ministers that I'm interacting with and providing some coaching and doing some mm-hmm. reading with, there, there seems to be more of a return today to some of the, um, I would say, you know, the, the liturgical kind of processes that in the past that maybe were somewhat left behind as old fashioned. I'm noticing some of the 20 year olds and 25 year olds are going more back into that and digging some of the beauty of that out. And watching more of these things come back into the churches today, I think it's a beautiful thing. I'm just wondering if you've seen that or noticed that yourself. Well, the Anglican Church worldwide, there's you know, it kind of um, morphs here and there, um, both as a as a communion, as an organization. Mm-hmm. Um, you've got areas of growth, areas where it might be decreasing a little bit as far mm-hmm. as its congregational attendance, and 
then you've got different areas of emphasis, like some of the, the, the historical practices that you might call the sacramental mm-hmm. practices uh, or liturgical practices that, you know, basically in to, to very large extent the same today as they were in the first century. That's right. You know, th- those always have a certain appeal. And I think we go through trends where that might be a focus or, you know, then you go through trends where it's more of the, the charismatic type of ministry. And so what we try to do at Church of the Redeemer and what I try to do as a pastor is make sure that we're not getting lopsided in our right. worship, in our practices, and in our, our Christian devotional lives, that, that we're practicing all of those um, in a positive, meaningful way, right. that we don't get stuck in any sort of ruts or that we examine our blind spots, where are we missing it. Right. And, and that's something that's difficult as a pastor because you know, 99 out of 100 Sundays, we're at our church. Right. And so we can get very narrow-minded. So how do, how do you keep that freshness there? How do you balance and pay attention? Do you evaluate your services? Do you have some people who give you some feedback? <laughs> like, how do you go through that to make yeah. sure you don't fall maybe into just a rut of doing the same thing every week and, and not, you know, providing a balanced meal to the people? Well, you know, as a pastor, there's always people who will give you feedback. Sure, whether you ask for it or not. (laughs) Right. right? And I do know that if I get, you know, if I start swerving outside sort of the boundaries of, you know, what our faith is, what our practice is, someone will will say, you know, this is getting a little outside the bounds. Or maybe you're... Now, do you have have like a a governmental structure at your church that that's kind of their role is to give you feedback? I don't know, an elder team or some kind of board or anything like that. I don't we know how some, that works. Yeah, we have some people who are from New Jersey. Okay. And so they give me feedback. Okay. <laughs> so they're, they're quick to let you know what they think, right? Yeah. But really, it's just a lot of feedback. It's okay. a lot of discussion in our prayer groups yeah. as we discuss, you know, what kind of ministry do we want to have? You know, what what are we needing? You know, and we've been talking recently about let's add to our monthly schedule a worship night where oh. we just worship and allow the Holy Spirit's ministry right. to flow. So are individual Anglican churches free to to express kind of the what how they I know they have to stay within the overall structure of the belief system and you know um, what essentials you know of the Anglican faith, but I would you guys have some freedom in how you preach. You don't have to follow a particular preaching order every week, or how does that work? Can you structure your services the way you want? Pretty much, there's a pretty wide. Um, range of practice in Anglican churches, even okay. our diocese, which includes about 35 churches in Virginia and Maryland. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a wide practice, like some will really resemble just a contemporary non-denominational church in many ways. Um, some will resemble more of a Roman Catholic church okay. in many ways. And so there's a spectrum there. Yeah, And it's really, there, there's kind of some boundaries that you can't go too far sure, outside of, sure. but you know, within those boundaries, there's a lot of leeway. Yeah, that's great. Well, I know that uh, you have some wonderful Sundays, wonderful weeks, and you have probably some challenging Sundays and weeks. So, what are what are a few challenges that you're maybe currently facing? It could be just some roadblocks or some areas you wish you could navigate around. Um, there are other pastors listening. Um, maybe they practice faith somewhat differently and their styles a little different, but, but people overall are the same. Some of the struggles we have in ministry Mm -hmm. to, to grow the church, to keep it healthy, to keep it spiritual, all those different things. So I'm just curious, maybe one or two things that you're currently facing, or you have faced more than once over the last eight years. And it's a repeating challenge that comes up. Just curious. Yeah. You know, I think it starts with, you know, what we're called to do and to be as a church and as ministers. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I think it starts for me with the great commission to make disciples. Yeah. And so, you know, what are the challenges we're having in making disciples? And one of the big challenges that I see more and more, and I'm sure you do too, other pastors do is the busyness of our schedules. Yeah. And, you know, it's in, in today's environment, our culture, you know, even a, a very committed Christian, you know, has so many, um, responsibilities, so many activities that they're not available as much for your, your typically scheduled church events, whether it's right. Sunday right. 
or a discipleship group during the week or prayer groups. You know, so many things are coming up, and I experienced that myself with, uh, you know, children's activities, sure. with all the things I'm involved in. And so that's a real challenge. You know, how can we make disciples without burdening people and, and yeah. weighing them down with just more things they've got to do and, and yeah. trying to find the tension there be- between, okay, you got to prioritize this in your life uh, versus, you know, having compassion and empathy for, I know you're busy. How can we, right. how can we uh, grow together in Christ yeah. while not burdening you anymore, but, yeah. you know, uplifting and helping. So that that's a real challenge. It is a challenge. I agree completely. And it's, it, I remember reading, I believe it was Dallas Willard, and uh, he mentioned about the impossibility of hurrying spiritual growth. Mm. You can't rush it. It takes time. Yeah, there's no shortcut. No, there isn't. But yet we live in a world, and you know that that we're accustomed to getting things quickly. You know, uh, shipping and handling free. You know, it comes in two days. You know, or overnight. Um, and it's difficult. How do you do that? How do you learn to love your neighbor quickly? You know, how do you learn <laughs> to trust God quickly? How do you learn to to scripture, you know, and, and how to apply scripture to your life quickly. You can't, it takes time and it, it has to marinate. It has to stew for a while. So that is a challenge of, and, and people are so busy. There's sports, there's, you know, activities, there's going to the gym, there's all the work driving to Virginia to work or, or whatever it may be. And then to, in the middle of all that, mm-hmm. trying to encourage people to study scripture and to allow God's spirit to, genuinely change them from the inside out. And that takes a while. That's a challenge. Yeah, that's a challenge. And, you know, so we've tried to accommodate that and really tried to emphasize the the main spiritual What, what have you found maybe that works well or at least works in your culture? Is yeah. it a Bible study, discipleship process? What What's kind of working? What I've, I guess, you know, what God has emphasized to me and so what I've tried to pass on is simplifying our spiritual lives. Okay. You know, let's have a Bible study with just the Bible. Mm. You know, who, who can I meet with, you know, what group can I gather where we just have the Bible and, you know, we don't need a lot of preparation. We don't need, um, to get it complicated. Let's just read through the Bible together and simplifying that also just, I mean, just getting people together um, when we can and have times of prayer. Um, one of the things that we started in our church a year ago, it was just going to be a, a Lenten activity. Mm-hmm. We're just going to do it for four weeks. It was this practice called Lectio Divina. And I had been um, doing some doctorate work um, at Asbury Seminary. Mm-hmm. And I kept reading these books on spiritual formation, and all of them would emphasize this practice of Lectio Divina, which just means a practice of divine reading of scripture, right. you know, like Dallas Willard, you know, right. it was always up there on the top of the list yeah. of things you ought to do. And I'm like, well, you know, if this is really that good, it ought to have an impact. Yeah. So we tried it a year ago in Lent and all it is, is and the way we do it in our church, we, someone, either me or someone else will have a, we'll go through a chapter of the Bible and read it. And then read it through it again out loud and just reflect on it. You know, what is God saying? And then we'll go through it slowly like that, reflecting on what we think God is saying through this scripture and then read it for a third time. It seems really boring. Um, so we started that a year ago and got good feedback. People felt like they were, God was speaking to them and it was meaningful. So we've been doing that every week. Um, it's just, uh, really about 45 minutes to an hour of reading scripture. And this happens at your church or these right. are in groups? This or... is at our church, okay. just on a Wednesday night. You know, last year we had like five people yeah. who came. Yeah. And it's just a time to just read scripture and just, meditate on yeah. what's being said without right. a lot of commentary, without right. a lot of, let me interpret that for you. Right. It's just just uh, allowing like, God to speak. Yeah, just a, a reflection on what is God saying yeah. and no discussion. Right. Um, and, and so, you know, we've got... Is this weekly? We do we? it each week, um, except the first Wednesday. Okay, so if someone's listening and they're interested in, in attending this or being a part of it, they just show up? Yeah, just come. Okay. 
to Church of the Redeemer Wednesday, 545, except the first Wednesday we don't do it because we do the souls feeding yes. downtown. Mm-hmm. So That's we're wonderful. we're doing that. So we felt like we couldn't interfere. Right. So three three Wednesdays of the right. month. Three Wednesdays on the month. At your church at five forty five right. in the evening. Just show up. And it's, right. and that's and been really beneficial. It's about an hour okay. um, because, you know, it's just being quiet, allowing right. the spirit to minister mm-hmm. the word to us and trying to create um, opportunities like that where people can come and slow down mm-hmm. and just stop and listen to what God Which is, is saying. very rare that right. people slow down enough. And in times of silence, yeah. you know, personally and trying to encourage others yeah. with that. One of the things that I've attempted to emphasize here at Forest Park recently um, and not as much in the messages, but in the counseling sessions I have with people in some of our small groups, is the reality of God speaking all the time. Mm-hmm. And if we would just learn how to turn some of the noise down in our life, we would hear you know, his voice much more clearly. Rarely does God shout. You know, There are times that things happen in our life and you have to almost say, wow, God really got my attention there. It almost as if he was shouting at me, you know, he grabbed my attention. But God rarely shouts. It's that whisper. It's that constant presence. Uh, but we are so busy, like you say, and we're going from here to there and we've got noise on all the time and there's kids and there's, you know, activities mm-hmm. and sports and movies and music and all these different things. But if we could learn to just turn that noise down and listen intently, he's there and he will speak. And I think what you've done there is create an environment where that, you know, makes it, uh, gives an, an opportunity for God to speak through his word. And that's beautiful. Yeah. Right. Well, I hope more and more people take advantage of that and become part of that. Well, you know, Craig, that is a challenge. I think probably all pastors who are listening would, would say, yeah, I have that challenge. How do you get people to slow down long enough to really allow uh, God to speak in his word to take root in our hearts. So that is, uh, that's, that's interesting. So the more we learn, hopefully we'll implement them in our churches and uh, we'll see more people respond to that. So keep that, keep the good work up. Do you find leading a church uh, in today's culture uh, more or less challenging do you think than previous generations? Did you did, was your father in ministry or no. any famous? So you're the first, no, okay. Right. So you don't really have something maybe to my dad's generation. So I'm it sure it's way, never but, been this hard. Right. I'm sure, I'm sure. <laughs> but what 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 is your take on the culture today and and the the youth of today and all the? I think there's a there seems to be a spiritual hunger and quest, maybe the wrong way or the wrong direction, but there seems to be some of that there. In our generations today, I'm just curious what your your take on the culture today. Well, sometimes when you know I'll start uh, sort of lamenting the culture and you know the negatives that I see, and you know my daughter's 15 and a half, and you know I guess the last few years I, I've been inspired more to to think about her and then to to think back, what was I doing when I was 14 and right. 15? And it's it was no better. Right. You know, it's not like I was sitting around thinking about God and right. you know how I could serve Him or anything. I mean, I was into stuff and. Uh, so, you know, that is at least encouraging because right. I think of me and my friends and like, oh, so you look well, in the mirror and go, there's hope yet. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. On the, on the one hand, I do remind my wife and daughter that, you know, I'm the only one here who knows what is in the mind of a teenage <laughs> boy. <laughs> so, <laughs> so don't right. think I'm crazy. Right. I, I think, yeah. And, and I mean, I struggle with the technology, you okay. know, that, that our culture has today. You know, in some ways it's very positive. In other ways, it's very distracting. Sure. I mean, you know, there's countless times I've been, I mean, you know, sincerely involved in a quiet time and reading scripture. And I'm, you know, oh, wait a minute. Hold on, God. I got to check yeah. something. Yeah, right. I got to check my email. I got to, you know, check check my phone. And, right. and I'm like kicking myself doing yeah. it. But, yeah. and, you know, I know that God has gently whispered to me more than once. It's like, you know, do you really need to? binge on this show tonight, you know, do you have to do that every night? Yeah. And so, you know, I've, you know, experienced some of the conviction that probably this culture does too. What I think is, you know, the church sometimes bemoans the culture and the young people, but you know, what I I see are, I mean, so many people, I'm 48, you know, my age and older who've been reading the Bible forever. Yeah. You know, I mean, we have, folks in our, in our church that, I mean, they really know the Bible and they're very active in their faith. And, and I think, you know, I haven't seen, seen this undermine this belief that I have that, you know, younger folks today, if if an older person would reach out to them and say, would you like to read the Bible with me? Hmm. 
I think they would eat that up. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they really appreciate the relationship, a discussion. They may not believe it and may not buy into it all, sure. but I don't think they would say no. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want you to meet with me and to invest in me each week. Right. You know what, what I, so I encourage people to do that. I encourage, you know, even if, if you're just starting to read the Bible, if you just stay a page ahead, yeah. you know, I mean, you can have a discussion you can have a Bible study with someone and, and grow together and start discussing some of these important eternal matters. Right. That's great. There are, you know, I, I think about the amount of people we have in our church who today are in a much healthier place than they were when they were, you know, in their twenties and they're there in their fifties today, or maybe sixties mm. have maybe gone through, you know, a marriage that fell apart and, uh, you talk with them and they'll tell you, you know, I learned this. I learned that if I could do it over again, I would never do this. You know, I would treat my wife better. I would treat mm-hmm. my husband better. I would spend time with my kids. And I'm thinking all of these things you're saying is richness, experience, wisdom you've gained. Just deposit some of that into our 20 year olds today because many of them do not know that. And what you've learned, you can pass on. Just sit down and talk to them. And I, I think that's great. There are older people uh, who have a wealth of knowledge, but unfortunately, many of them feel intimidated, you know, by the 20 year old. Oh, right. And yeah. they don't think, well, they don't care about what I, what I know. No, that's not true. I sit down with some 20 year olds and they didn't have a father in their life. They didn't have a granddad or a grandmom. They didn't have that person, the spiritual mentor. Many of these 20 year olds who attend our church, I sit with and, you know, they would love to have a spiritual mentor in their life. Somebody who would just sit down with them and have a cup of coffee, who would just give them some wisdom about marriage because they're dating someone right now. They actually are hungry. And uh, if we can inspire, you know, the older generation to reach out to the younger generation, we could see some wealth deposited into them. So that would be beautiful to see. So, you know, it's a, um, it's an ongoing challenge to bridge the generations. You know, we see it here. We see when I first came here to Forest Park, you know, there were somewhat of an older group of people Mm -hmm. attending and they were faithful, you know, and they gave and they served. When the younger generation began to attend, there was a little bit of the, almost the warm front and cold front, you know, kind of came together and created a little bit of a storm, especially when it comes to culture change and music and all those different things. Unfortunately, some of the older, you know, get a little intimidated and leave. And what I want to say, what I've learned over time is grabbing them and saying, don't leave. You know, now's an opportunity to, again, to pour into these younger ones and, and encourage them to stay and be a part of what God is doing in your life and uh, pass it on, pass the Mm -hmm. baton on, you know, to to, to today's generation. So that's great. Craig, what is a, um, what's a myth about pastoring that you would love to just bust and just kind of break up? Maybe people look at a pastor or they see you and you think they probably have some beliefs about being a pastor that you would like to correct or you'd like to kind of tear it apart and say, hey, that's not true. Here's reality. Yeah, man, that's a tough one. Yeah. You know, I don't, you know, I mean, I think that, you know, the, the way we pastor in Elizabeth city, Yeah, I mean, you know, we're very active in the community yeah. and I think that's the only way to be. And so, you know, we are rubbing shoulders with people and, and all sorts of community events. And so, you know, I don't think that, there's a distance created between me and, and the people that I pastor or mm-hmm. the, the people in our community. So I, I would hope that there's not a big disconnect, that there's not any myths that like folks in my church would have about me. Yeah. Um, you know, I try to be as transparency as Good. I can, transparent as I can about, you know, the struggles I have, you know, I'll yeah. give examples, you know, when it comes up. What about people outside the church? What do you think the people maybe who do not attend a church? but would see you in a restaurant and know that, you know, you're a pastor and might see a group of pastors sitting at a table eating together and they don't attend church. What do you think they probably wonder about that you'd like to go over and say, Hey, let me tell you something about being a pastor. I think some folks probably have the same kind of misperception about pastors as they do about God. Okay. That, you know, a pastor or God is basically, you know, their, their default posture is to be judgmental. Mm. To, to be so you think many people think pastors are judgmental they they may yeah. you know have that in mind yeah. that if they don't act a certain way if if they're not a certain way you know they can't come to church they can't 
come to me or they can't go to God. And, you know, this idea that maybe we live like lives that are kind of above the dirt and the mm-hmm. mire of the day-to-day living. Right. You know, if anyone thinks that. I don't, sure. I don't know if they do or not, but they, they might and that we're kind of disconnected yeah. and, and they've got to somehow prepare themselves or make themselves worthy before they can go to God mm-hmm. or before they can come to church or talk to a pastor. Yeah. I think that's a, a real myth. And sometimes I will see that, you know, people may come to ask for prayer or counseling sort of sheepishly, Mm -hmm. you know, maybe a little bit of a shame about whatever they're coming to ask for, not know, not realizing that, you know, I, I know the closer we get to God, the more we recognize our own weaknesses and failings. I mean, you know, when I look back at my life, I think about how did I do that? Why did I do that? How did I waste so much time, for example, doing this other stuff and, you know, so I, I can really empathize with people who are stuck or who have failed and made mistakes. Like there's, I think the more I mature in Christ, the less judgment and criticism I have of others. Mm, so because, true. you know, I recognize that, that I'm much closer to them than I am to God's holiness and righteousness yeah. on my own. Yeah. Like I'm with them before God, not right. with God against them. You right. know, we're, we're sort of have this holy fellowship already right. by Christ's grace and faith. And so there's no barrier, you know, there's no inside or outsider right. that, that ought to uh, give anyone hesitation about coming and speaking to us or the other pastors in our community when they see us out or when we're at the church, right. you know, our, our doors are open to all people. And I mean, this is called imperfect leader podcast and nothing could be truer. Yeah. You know, so that's beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes I think they, they think, you know, we're closer to God. So maybe our prayers will reach God faster, you know, than their prayers. They're not worthy. We are worthy. Somehow we've earned the right to pray. We've earned the right, you know, to stand before God. And yeah, uh, sometimes I, I would you say, you know, maybe, out. you know, the, the, like I definitely, you know, pursue God and I pursue holiness. And I think, you know, as we mature in our faith, we might be tuned in to what sure. God is saying a little yeah. bit better yeah. than others who might be yeah. kind of out of tune. But, but, you know, what we're tuned into is grace right. and, uh, an affection for people right. that is beyond their imagination. Yeah. I mean, it's so good and loving and kind. And, you know, I think that the more we mature and the more we mature as pastors and ministers, we tune into that, yeah. you know, which is God's heart for people. And, you know, we can convey that better to people. Exactly right. Well, as a leader and a, as a pastor and communicator, counselor, all the different hats you wear, uh, Craig, what is one area you wish if you could kind of look at your life as a bunch of dials? You know, there's preaching, there's counseling, there's education, there's, you know, administration, all the different dials. Where's one, if you could reach in and tweak it, turn it up, make yourself stronger, where is one area you wish you were stronger when it comes to ministry and leadership? Well, the, you know, the area of administration, okay. and organization, planning, yeah. I'm not so great there. <laughs> yeah. You have some people you've put around you that, that do that for you, help you with that? Oh, without a doubt. Yeah. I mean, you know, there's people who are detail oriented who, you know, can create an organizational chart, can right. create a flow chart, can put things in categories. And, right. Uh, maybe even clean up after me a little bit. <laughs> I don't know what it is, but I, I, I talk to a lot of pastors, and I think we seems to be most of us are not administrative, which we just that's just not a gift we have. I know I don't have that. Uh, fortunately, my wife does. Lana's great at that, and she helps me a lot. And I tell people, you know, I if I want to accomplish something in 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 my mind, it appears as if there's only like three steps. You know, you do this, this, and then we'll be at the goal. And I'll hand it to her and go, okay, there's only three things we got to do. And then she'll see 21 more steps, you know, in the process and putting it all together. So I think a lot of us pastors, you know, we struggle in the area of administration. Yeah. I mean, you know, I've kind of got my priorities each day, which is to show up with God and then to show up where I'm supposed to be. Right. And to try to do as best as I can in between. Yeah. Yeah. That's a challenge. Well, what is a strength? What is something you're, you're somewhat, and I use this in a, in a respectful way, but you're proud of. It's an area where you're gifted. You know that God has given this to you and you feel as if you exercise it well and you've worked on this particular skill or this particular gift that God's given. What is that? Well, I think, you know, the, the things he's put on my heart, which are, I hope are the things that 
you know, I'm growing in by his grace are, you know, just opportunities to share and to teach mm-hmm. and to minister. And, you know, that includes preaching, teaching, yeah. the Lectio Divina, counseling, um, leading uh, services, yeah. um, like a healing service that we have, which, right. you know, sometimes we just go with the flow of the Holy Spirit. Um, now so you, you have some, some, um, opportunities that I know you bring people in sometimes and deal with healing and, and tell us a little bit about that. And do you have something like that coming up soon or anything? We've had uh, healing conferences where we bring someone right, I've in seen and, that. and some advertisements have someone there that. for a day. We don't have anything scheduled for that. We did start, I guess about two, three years ago, start a monthly healing service. Uh, the first Tuesday of the month at seven o'clock, we have a service devoted to healing prayer. Okay. And um, that's been a, a great event. But, um, you know, I mean, God continues to show up and to move in surprising yeah. ways. And, you know, that's something that I really um, am led to do more, mm-hmm. you know, to pray for people, to um, try to minister as the Spirit guides somewhat prophetically. Yeah. And so I look for opportunities for that type of ministry. Mm-hmm. And think, you know, thankfully God has opened doors in various capacities. I have some really big gigs that I try to do on a regular basis. Like tomorrow morning, I'm speaking to the elementary school at New Life Academy. Great. That's excellent. Yeah. (laughs) But that's always fun. And I mean, you know, I couldn't even do that if if God wasn't gracious enough to sort of give me the the theme and the words to speak. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's a tough crowd. Kindergartners, first graders. Probably the most intimidating crowd you have all week. And, you know, so I'm very grateful that that God will kind of give me something to share with a group like that. Or um, tonight I'll be going to the Benjamin House Mm -hmm. here in town and just a a wonderful group. And, 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 you know, I mean, it's not a big deal. So that's some of your strong suits. That's that's your Yeah, it's just showing, you know, preparing and showing up with a group like that and trying to convey to them, uh, the presence of God, you know, to be a vessel for him, yeah. for his word, yeah. um, just to, to give them a little nudge toward God and to open their hearts a little bit, yeah. you know, toward his love and Holy Spirit. And, you know, thankfully, since I've been here eight and a half years, you know, I've gotten opportunities to speak to some various groups like that. Teen Challenge. Yeah. Um, he interviewed Holly. You know, I, I go there on Monday and kind of do their devotional in the morning. And, you know, I mean, that's such a, a testimony to the God's saving grace and his deliverance is that ministry. And so, you know, when I go, I mean, I, I want God to speak to them. I want God to minister to them. Yeah. And it's nothing that I can do. You know, it's just by his grace, he, he will show up and, and touch them. Yeah, that's excellent. Well, obviously that's a gift that God has given to you because doors continue to open mm-hmm. and you're able and you walk through them. So when they open, you walk through them. So you get an opportunity to speak to uh, kids who are in first grade or second grade elementary. And then you also get a chance to speak to the, uh, lovely ladies at teen challenge and some of the older people in your church and all the way through. So God has opened up doors and you continue to walk through them. And our church has really been blessed by the relationship with teen challenge. That's great. Um, We'll have them come, I think, in June next and do, do their ministry yeah. presentation. And it's just so I've powerful. seen that in different, um, several different times. I've got a chance to go to the banquet that they have and uh, get yeah, a chance right. to meet, That's some coming up the, too. Yeah, meet some of the ladies there and just watch and listen to the stories. And it's moving. Every single time I walk out, I'm inspired and challenged. It's and brilliant. we have, you know, just some amazing ministries in Elizabeth City. Yeah. You know, Teen Challenge, the Pregnancy Resource Center. Yeah. Um, I, I've been able to be the chaplain there for the last six years or so. Excellent. And I mean, they're, you know, saving babies' lives yeah. almost every day. And yeah. the Benjamin House, yeah. the New Life Academy, it's it's really amazing. And then you got all the churches here yeah. in town right? Um, that, you know, I'm just continually impressed and amazed at, at how God has brought about so many churches that are preaching the gospel, that are ministering in, you know, very similar ways um, by the Holy Spirit's gifts, but also have their particular niches and callings. Exactly right. Yeah. And it's just amazing. That's great. Hey, what are you, what are you reading right now? Maybe that you love, it could be a devotion, could be a novel, could be, you know, a spiritual growth book, business book. I don't know, but what are you reading that if you had an opportunity to, Hey, read this right now, you know, what, what, what would that be? (laughs) Well, um, I just got about two weeks ago, about 25 books sent to me via the Kindle 
for yeah. some doctorate courses that right. I have this summer, uh-huh. and I've been reading those, but those, I don't can't really recommend. Right. Those. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily enjoyment in the yeah. reading. Yeah, that that's actually um, uh, a book that came out that I was asked to review by the author it has led to a presentation okay. that we've got scheduled coming in April, um, April 24th, uh, an author and speaker, CJ Scarlett is mm-hmm. going to come to Elizabeth city at uh, mid Atlantic Christian university campus. And she wrote a girl, a book and she sent me an email asking me to review it. And it's called the Badass girls guide, uncommon strategies to outwit predators. Wow. And, um, I read it and, yeah. and, you know, it's great for girls, great for right. women, but also for men and boys. And, um, when I started communicating with her, she lives in Raleigh and, and I thought, you know, this is the kind of person that I would like my daughter to hear from. Yeah. And so I started, um, communicating with her and, um, she's going to come and speak and do this teaching on personal safety, um, keeping yourself safe and, mm-hmm. uh, you know, especially from, becoming a victim of assault, sexual assault uh, of any kind. And then also for those who have been victims, how to overcome that trauma. Right. Um, she herself, as she shares in her book, has uh, been a victim of sexual assault and has overcome it. So mm-hmm. she's going to share. So that book, The Badass Girls Guide, I recommend it for for girls and and boys and men. That's great. That's coming up Tuesday, April 24th. Right, at 7, 7 o'clock. Great. Yeah, and so. we'll we'll try to link that also with the podcast so that people can uh, follow that. Yeah, that'd be great. Go. I think it's going to be really good. Uh, the other book I just started reading, yeah. and, and this one's not for school but for fun, is John Piper's new book on preaching. Okay. I think it's called uh, Expositional Exaltation, maybe, okay. Preaching mm-hmm. as Worship. Right. That's a really good one uh, good. so far. Yeah. Is that for a class? or just... That's for a class. Yeah. Okay. No, no, that one's That's not for not a class. For that one's for okay. fun. Yeah. Uh, well, good. Excellent. Yeah. Hey, what is, uh, what's an off day for you? If you had a chance to just be off, what's a fun, perfect day off for you? What does yeah, it look like? Typically, uh, my Fridays and okay. Saturdays are off. So okay. Friday while, while school's in session, you know, it's very quiet around the house. Yeah. So, um, you know, the morning's kind of like, you know, any morning that's free, I'll, you know, take an extended quiet time with the Lord and mm-hmm. really enjoy that. And then usually have some kind of activity plan, yeah. you know, like biking, walking, taking the dogs for a walk. Um, if it stays cold like this, yeah. going to the Y. Right. <laughs> and, and do that kind of stuff before the kids get home. Right. And then do something, um, you know, play soccer with my son and now my daughter. Or something fun like that. Right. What is, a um, couple more questions here. What is something maybe people would be surprised to know about you? Yeah, I, I don't know anymore. Could be a hobby. Could be, <laughs> could be something oh, I didn't know that about Craig. That's interesting. Maybe it's something you collect or something that you do, you know, on the side. That's just unique, maybe to you. That someone would be surprised. Yeah, they, they might be surprised by how boring I am. <laughs> <laughs> they follow you around and go, yeah, "Wow, he doesn't yeah. really do anything um, exciting." <laughs> <laughs> I do get the opportunity to review a lot of books and products okay. via Amazon. I'm on their group of top reviewers and okay. so that's kind of a hobby yeah um which means you have to read a lot yeah read a lot uh which is fun yeah. i mean you know that that's right. definitely a hobby um you know i coach my son's soccer team okay and sometimes i get really intense about yeah that. okay so you're a soccer fan <laughs> yeah yeah I mean, you obviously went to school and you were hopeful to get i mean you got the scholarship in soccer right, right? Yeah. so and you still coach today so that's something that's unique yeah yeah yeah, that's probably it. That's um, it. Yeah, well, that's like me. I don't know that anybody would really be that surprised. You kind of follow me around, and I don't really do that much. Yeah, I mean, I, I love my dogs. Yeah. You know, what kind of play dogs with do you them. have? Two golden retrievers. Oh, yeah, I love golden retrievers. I love yeah. dogs, too. That's just a – I love dogs. Um, you know, we probably spent most time in the car uh, the last month or so. We listened to Tim Hawkins' podcast oh, called yeah. Potty Break. Yeah. Which is He's just hilarious. hilarious. Yes. I mean, that has really influenced our family. I mean, yeah, that's great. Uh, the way we talk to each other. So, Very good. you know, that's that's been fun. One more question before we wrap this up. If um, if you could sit down and speak to a classroom, seminary classroom, a twenty year olds, you know, they're excited about ministry, thinking about becoming pastors and leaders. What's something you would say to them? Now that you've been in this for a number of years and you've learned and you've read a lot and you've mm. grown and you've no doubt, you know, some things you would do over differently 
you know, et cetera. What would you try to get across to these young seminarians? Well, you know, when I came out of seminary, what I thought immediately is, man, I really needed more emphasis on spiritual warfare. Okay. Spiritual warfare prayer, because, you know, as soon as I got into ministry, it was, you know, really coming at me. And I thought I was pretty adept at spiritual warfare. Mm -hmm. But, you know, don't underestimate um, what the Bible says about the opposition from Satan and the kingdom of darkness aimed against us and how it penetrates the church. And, you know, right along with that is, I mean, there's nothing you can allow to interfere with your time with God. And, you know, maybe 30 minutes a day got you through seminary, you know, in prayer and devotion. But you need three times that, you know, to, I think, excel and even to stand firm in a church. And, you know, but we don't want to just stand in one place. You know, we want to advance the kingdom of God. And so just we just have to keep reminding ourselves of uh, the need to emphasize prayer and devotional time with just us and the Lord, and then yeah. invite other people into that, into right. corporate prayer groups and right. things like that. So you would do the best you could to inspire those, those young, uh, you know, soon-to-be pastors yeah. to develop and broaden and deepen their prayer life, yeah, the time definitely. they spend with God each day. And, and you know, alternatively, you know, you know, we read books on leadership, and there's just a certain limit that those books will yeah. take us to yeah. um, because, you know, like I've yet to find the church leadership book for about how to lead a church in Camden, North Carolina. Right. And yeah. so many of them will provide contradictory emphases. Sure. Um, so no matter you know how learned we become, we, there's, there's no, like we started out talking about, there's no shortcut right. to that spiritual maturity right. and, and to that growth. Yeah. And, and then, you know, ultimately our dependence for every time we get behind the pulpit, Every time we get face to face with someone, our dependence is always on the Holy Spirit. Yeah. No, no matter how competent we become, we right. can't change a heart, but He can. Right. And so we just stay submitted and humble before Him. That's great. Well, Craig, thank you for your time today. Yeah, I thank really you. enjoyed the conversation. And uh, how? What's the best way for people to contact you if they want to know more about your church, more about you? Is it Facebook? Is there a website? Email, what's what's kind of the way, the best way to follow you and keep up? E- email is, is my name, CraigStevens okay. at gmail.com. And the church is RedeemerNC.com. Mm-hmm. Redeemer okay. and then NC is in North Carolina. Okay, com. that's easy enough. Yeah. And we'll put the link there as well for people to uh, click on the church and also uh, your email and, and follow you. And maybe have a question or want to become part of... Uh, your preaching ministry or become part of some of your community outreach, et cetera. That'd be great. If you have a question for Craig, I'm sure he would be happy to entertain your questions and answer them for you as well. So thank you, Craig, for your time. It's been an honor. Thank you. Take care. Thanks again for listening to this episode of the Imperfect Leader Podcast. As I mentioned at the beginning, please go by iTunes and give us a five-star rating and share this podcast on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Also, I'd love to interact with you. You can reach me by visiting scottneal.me or like my page on Facebook at facebook.com slash scottneal online. I'd love to know what you're thinking and answer any questions you have.